Welcome to America's Commercial Real Estate Show, your source for market intel, forecasts, and strategies. Hello, I'm Michael Ball. Thank you for being with us. This segment is brought to you by Vista Property Report. Check this out. You can get incredible reports, and I can give you some of them for free. I'm going to give you a website that really can check the status of any property using cell phone traffic or smartphone traffic. Check it out for free. Visit vistapropertyreport.com slash CRE show. Well, what we're talking about today can be <laughs> this system here, uh, Vista Property Report could really help, and that's retail. And retail has been obviously under a lot of strain for, for a while, and the pandemic, obviously, uh, a lot more. Uh, but there seems to be a lot of retail really doing well. Uh, there's some properties still selling. Uh, there's some uh, uh, stores and things and areas I see that are extremely busy. Well, let's talk to an expert and see what's going on around the country. Please welcome my guest. It's Barbara Denham. She is Senior Economist with Moody's Analytics, Reese. Barbara, good to see you again. Good to see you, Michael. Well, Barbara, let's let's talk about it. You know, I think the first thing that uh, people, uh, my audience may want to know from you is really about occupancy on retail properties uh, around the country. Here we are uh, really late in October. It's, it's, it's practically Halloween here. What are you seeing so far for occupancy? Uh, well, occupancy is definitely distressed. Uh, we see rising vacancies almost everywhere. It's just it's not rising as quickly as we thought it would be at this point in the, the pandemic. I mean, obviously, so many shops had to close down during the pandemic, and a lot of those property owners uh, weren't collecting rents, and yet they, quote, stayed occupied because um, they were paying like a minimal amount of rent, of rent. A lot of people were paying rent from their PPP. Um, so we did not see the distress in the third quarter that we expected. We saw a rise in vacancy, but only from about 10.5% to 11.5%, which isn't that much, even mall vacancy rates. They went up about uh, two percentage points, but most people thought the mall, mall uh, vacancy rates would rise to like 15, 20%, and they just really are not. Likewise on rents, um, I don't know if you want me to mention about the rent changes, but- Yeah, go ahead. Um, uh, so we really forecasted uh, at least 8% rent declines this year. And we again, we just haven't seen it. We've seen a decline of about 3% so far. So um, our- 2020 year-end forecast on rent is a correction of 5%. We had had it at 8 um, And we're pushing more of the distress into 2021. You know, there is still some hope that um, there will be some kind of a deal so that, uh, you know, Congress will uh, issue some more PPP to help a lot of these retailers because all of them are small business owners. A lot of restaurants, a lot of you know, small shops. So, I mean, even recently, the Gap announced that it was closing down a lot of its shops, but that probably will not take place until 2021. So, again, retail is definitely showing some real serious distress, but most of it will show up in 2021. Okay. So, you've um, lowered the um, bad news, I guess, for rental rate uh, reductions next year down to 5% overall around the U.S., what about occupancy changes? What has occupancy kind of typically been in retail? And what's your forecast for 2021 for retail? Well, again, we see rising vacancy rates, um, but a lot of retail shopping centers will close or they'll convert some of their spaces to um, self-storage or uh, you know warehouse distribution, other various uses. So 
occupancy will drop. It just won't drop as dramatically as a lot of people think it will. Uh, so our vacancy rate's probably in the 13% range from about 11 and a half now, maybe 12% by the end of this year, um, but probably 13, 14% in 2021. Okay. And obviously the amount of investment sales has uh, slowed, slowed down considerably around the U.S. Uh, what do you guys see so far through 2021 there? Similar story. Uh, not a lot of retail. I'm sorry. Yes. <laughs> so far. Um, not a lot of retail uh, selling. Uh, and, and so what happens with cap rates when volume drops as dramatically as it has is that the cap rates don't change as you would think. Remember, cap rate is a numerator and a denominator. And when the expectations or when rents um, fall the way they do, the value falls as well. So, um, so what we've seen is like, you know, less than a third of the transactions so far that we saw a year ago, but cap rates have not changed. They've just, you know, they're about six and a half, six point eight percent uh before COVID, and they've actually stayed the same, six and a half to six point eight percent on average through the pandemic because the better properties have been selling. So you get that kind of flight to quality or um, selection bias. It really is um, magnified now because the only properties selling are the ones that actually uh, have value and, and retailers really want good locations. Yeah, and that, that makes sense. So it doesn't really impact the, kind of the reported overall average cap rates because the, the nicer properties are selling. We sold one uh, very large shopping center on a very large site, and uh, it had so much vacancy. There really was no cap rate. So yeah. <laughs> uh, that's not going to register in the cap rate world, right? No. no. <laughs> um, what point. about uh, the job market, uh, Barbara, you know, as an economist uh, with a focus in real estate, of course, we all, all our listeners realize that the job market, it really impacts you know, commercial real estate in a big way. You know, what do you see so far uh, and what's interesting about it? So the job market is still, you know, it's still getting better, but um, remember 22, 22, 11 and 11. So over the last 20, after, over the last 10 years, which was the, the cycle, the expansion was a 10-year expansion, we added about 22 million jobs. In the two months from February to April, we lost 22 million jobs. Hmm. Since April, we've added back 11 million jobs, but we're still 11 million jobs in the hole, which means we're only at a point where we were in about 2015, 2016. So we have a lot of room. And obviously the industries that have seen the most distress is leisure and hospitality, which includes restaurants. So when you look at employment numbers for the retail sector, oddly enough, you don't see that much of a decline. The only, de uh, the only industries that show a really sharp decline are clothing, um, clothing and uh, shoe wear stores, uh, electronics stores, and um, some furniture stores but like the Home Depots in the world are doing actually very well. And the department stores lost so many jobs prior to the pandemic because of all the closings of the JCPenney's of the world and the Toys R Us of the world, that that category, they saw a lot of job losses prior to the pandemic. So they're only showing, you know, flat numbers now. Um, but uh, a lot of it, you know, grocery stores are expanding. Um, the CVS type of um Pharmaceutical stores are still doing okay, and the dollar stores are doing well. The Targets are doing well. Targets expanding three stores in Manhattan, mm -hmm. so or I should say uh, in New York City. So um, people still want to go out, 
they want to go out to shop and they want to go out to eat. Um, the the survive, The problem was we just had too much retail. And that correction is going to stay with us. So um, the, the metros that are hurting the most really are New York City and, and areas where the shutdown measures were the strictest. Yeah. So. And Barbara, as an economist, when you look at um, expectations for a rebound related to retail and you look at um, the job market, you look at consumer confidence, you look at savings, what would you expect on a rebound in 2021 for retail and spending it and, and might, what might we expect for uh, the holiday shopping? Um, I think the holiday shopping will be better than people expect. It's just, unfortunately, so much of it will be e-commerce. I mean, that's the one category that's just soared um, as people either, you know, during the shutdown, they couldn't shop. And now they're still a, a bit reluctant to go to a store because of social distancing and, you know, the risk of, uh, you know, catching the, the virus when, you know, we're on our third surge now. So I, I think the net numbers will be good for retail overall, but they're not going to be great for retail stores. So we're still going to see, uh, again, in terms of real estate, I don't, I don't think those numbers, the consumer confidence is still going to be weak, but retail sales will be strong. You just have to net out that e-commerce numbers to see how bricks and mortar retail will do. And they're not going to, it's not going to do very well. Yeah. And as you mentioned before, you know, people kind of want to get out of their houses when they feel comfortable and safe to do that. Um, what does that mean for brick and mortar retail in 2021? What would you expect? Again, we're still seeing bigger distress because these, these retailers can't survive. So a lot of them will close. I think rents will correct a good seven and a half percent in 2021. That's our forecast. Um, vacancy rate will go up at least to like about 13 percent. But a number of retailers will close, which means that denominator, which is inventory, will be smaller. And that will save the vacancy rates from, from going much higher. Um, you know, there's, there, there's so many stories out there of conversions from uh, yesterday. I read about one converting mall properties to seniors housing <laughs> because, because there's still a need for seniors housing. And um uh, so I, I thought it was a really interesting idea. Uh, I mean, people have been talking about self-storage and warehouse, and certainly the industrial sector is doing very well, and the self-storage sector is doing very well. So we're going to see more of that. I got to I got to ask you this, Barbara, as a as an economist in, in tracking uh, real estate in a big way, you know, uh, and you're in the city, you're in Manhattan, you're in New York City. There, what is it like there, and and uh, what would you expect for for New York moving forward? Well, I'm glad you asked that because let me tell you, it is not a ghost town. Far from it. Uh, what's great about New York City is the restaurants that are open are doing phenomenally. There's just tons of sidewalk uh, restaurants with outdoor dining that are doing really well. They're all packed. They're packed on a Monday night. Um, the ones that have closed, unfortunately, have closed. So the surviving ones are doing phenomenally. Like I said, the problem is it's getting colder. So the outlook for them, and right now it's 25% um, capacity is allowed. Hopefully they'll, they'll up that to 50%. They're, a lot of them are getting outdoor heaters. Um, a lot of streets are closed off to allow for more restaurants. Um, but it is not a ghost town. It's not doing nearly as bad as some people are mentioning it. Um, I, I find it just as crowded. Uh, but you do hear stories of um, you know people worried about the areas i'm worried about are downtown with a concentration of office buildings where people are not going to work and midtown i don't know how those sandwich shops are doing all those you know lunch places that serve uh, the office crowd i'm sure a lot of them have closed 
Um, so, you know, New York's retail sector and restaurant sector is still jobs numbers is one of the worst in the country, uh, along with Las Vegas and Orlando, which also not coincidentally catered to a lot of tourism. So, um, so we're not going to see much in the way of tourism in, in these big uh, areas until a vaccine is discovered. But when it is, I think we're going to see a big bounce in the in the Las Vegases, the New York Cities, and the Orlandos of the world because people are, you know, there's going to be a pent up demand to go to those types of places. And there's a lot of talk about a, a vaccine being uh, pretty close um, to us now, and and, this, and especially through the first quarter or so of 2021, it sounds like the expectations are we'll have one. What does that mean for cities like Chicago and, and, and New York with the economy where it is worldwide kind of shut down in a lot of cases? Yeah. How, how, how fast could a rebound happen? It's a good question because there's, three, there's three, three parts of tourism, which is what's really, really hurting. There's the domestic, there's the business, and there's the international. And believe it or not, I think even New York City and Chicago will benefit from the fact that there's so few international travelers and they're in a densely populated area that people who can't, won't be going to Europe or Florida for that matter, will be driving to Chicago and New York City when they can because they can drive there and they can't afford to go to Europe or they're, they're fearful that Europe's not, you know, up to speed on the on the vaccine or, or what so there was a substitution effect for big cities in, in in this country in densely populated areas there's been studies on this so i'm i'm confident that the domestic tourism in these big cities will be better but the international tourism and those are a lot of dollars they're going to hurt they're not going to see a lot of to international tourism for for a few years um and then of course the business travel i mean that is tremendous amount of money and um it's going to take a good two years Probably when the vaccine is just, you know, at least, you know, in 75% of the population for that business travel, like the, again, the Las Vegas is, you know, I was looking at National Harbor in um, suburban Maryland, you know, San Diego does a big, big convention business. Um, we have a hotel paper coming out about this. And um, the places that really thrive on the business travel are really hurting and they're not going to come back till I would say um, late 2021, maybe 2022, but they'll come back. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm doing my part this week. I'm traveling to Chicago to meet uh, several clients that we have there. And uh, remarkably, most all of them uh, did want to meet and everybody seems to be ready to get back to work. Well, Barbara, what would you leave our audience with related to uh, retail to think about moving forward? I would say, look at the numbers, not not what the media is saying, because the media is saying a lot of <laughs> a lot of things that just don't jive with the numbers. So um, we are, um, you know, we're trying to be as scientific as possible uh, about our forecasts, uh, but we do foresee things not um, certainly uh, again more distress in 2021 than this year. Um, a lot will close, but there's still, you know, every Every correction is an opportunity. Um, and even in New York City, where people are, you know, talking about leaving, you know, a lot of people feel like we needed a real estate correction. Um, and so, and rents, retail rents here were getting crazy. And maybe if property owners change their rents, you know, we'll get better retailers instead of, um, you know, just too many chain stores. Uh, and so I, I would just leave it with try to, Stay focused on the numbers and, and stay away from the, the negative hype. Yeah, very good advice. 
Um, you know, the one thing to think about too is uh, most of the time retail properties are good real estate. They're good locations, right? So, you know, that's probably another saving grace for, for retail. Uh, it's, it's, it's well located. It's flat. It's cleared. It's, you know, it's got a lot of positive. Barbara, thank you for joining us. Great information as usual. Thank you. Great being here, Michael. So good seeing you. Well, thank you uh, for, for joining us. If you'd like more information from Barbara Denham, uh, visit their website at uh, reese.com, R-E-I-S, Moody's Analytics. Reese is the company. And stay tuned. We're going to have more on retail. We're going to have a perspective from an owner developer. Stay with us. I'm Michael Bull. This is America's Commercial Real Estate Show. Site selection, marketing, and property due diligence has just changed. Check out Vista Property Report slash CRE Show. That's Vista Property Report slash CRE Show. Use promo code CRE Show. You will love this product. Are you looking to buy, sell, or lease commercial real estate? You're invited to contact Bull Realty for customized asset and occupancy solutions. Call 404-876-1640 or visit bullrealty.com. Would you like to be the top producing commercial broker in your office? Check out Michael Bull's video training. Since you're a show listener, you receive 10% off your first purchase. At checkout, use discount code CREshow. Visit commercialagentsuccess.com. Welcome back to America's Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Ball. Thank you for being with us. This segment is brought to you by commercialagentsuccess.com. If you want the ultimate and broker training for commercial agents, check it out. It's commercialagentsuccess.com. Well, today we're talking about retail. We're talking about retail real estate, retailers, what's happening in the market. It certainly has been a crazy time for, for retail. Well, let's find out what's happening from someone who's actually in the trenches owning and operating these types of properties around the country. Please welcome my guest. It's Todd Laurie. He's EVP of Fund Services with Baseline Investments, and that's B-A-C-E, Baseline Investments. Todd, thank you for joining us, sir. Michael, it's a real honor. Thanks for having us on the show. Uh, well, I wish people were seeing the, the video here with uh, the uh, old rifle on the wall behind you. You said that was your uh, grandfather's? It was my grandfather's. It's the old twenty two. he taught me how to shoot with. That is so cool. That is so cool. Um, I think back when my father taught me, I think I shot the end of his finger a little bit or the gunpowder hit his finger one time. My memories, I guess, aren't as fond. He was fine, though. Well, let's talk about uh, retail. Uh, you guys own a lot of properties around the country um, that are retail. Looks like you have a great um, tenant mix there. Um, but you're not in the really you know, big cities. You're not in the, the, the Manhattan, right, in, in downtown Chicago. Uh, tell us about where your properties are located and what you're really experiencing from, you know, the, the heart, the, 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 the roughest time of COVID. And then now, what are you experiencing right now with the performance and collections and things of your retail tenants? Because here we are the, the third week of October 2020. Yeah, you bet, Michael. 
Um, you're right. We have um, properties spread throughout the, the central U.S. Um, in 27 different markets, in, primarily in suburban settings as opposed to urban settings. So we're in, uh, we're in Dallas, Fort Worth, and in, in Austin. We're in Memphis and Kansas City and St. Louis uh, and Cleveland um, uh, and, uh, and, and Nashville. So we're, we're all throughout the, the central part of the U.S. with 80 properties and just about 1,000 tenants. Uh, when you think about our, our shopping centers, you can think of the little uh, strip center in the middle of a neighborhood that maybe has an average of 10 tenants in it that is not anchored. Um, typically, it's typically unanchored and, and just a bunch of small businesses in it. What was really uh, unique about this uh, economic downturn was the, the fast onset of it and the government intervention um, that, that took place of closing businesses, mandatorily uh, closing businesses and uh, of shelter in place. Um, orders being put put into place, so folks couldn't go um, to their neighborhood bar and grill or to uh, the subway at the at the end of the street, and they they couldn't go to the dentist, and and so for all of those small businesses that were doing incredibly well um, going into uh, the pandemic, having them shut down, it was it was a very trying time for a lot of those folks. Um, for, for us, diving in um, and having a real hands-on uh, approach to our tenants was key. Um, not only did they need um, resources to help them identify lenders that could get them PPP uh, funds, but they also needed hope um, from their landlord knowing that they, we told them, you're not going to go out of business uh, because of having to pay um, your rent. So just pay what you can. You know, for the, the next couple of months or a few months while the country's figuring out what's going on and, and then as things start to recover, um, we'll work with you um, to help you, you know, stay in business. It's, it's, not, it's not a boardroom decision um, for these folks to close. It's a, it's a kitchen table decision. Um, and their, their livelihoods are really dependent upon those businesses. And how did that impact um, collections and how is it impacting them now? And and how does that compare to kind of the overall retail collection uh, that you're hearing about? Yeah, so um, if you if you take a look at um, national REIT collections um, that have a retail focus, they averaged uh, about 79% collections in the third quarter. Um, our portfolio averaged um, uh, 84% collections um, in the third quarter, so a, a clear outperformance uh, of that. And, and really, Michael, we think it, it's attributable to a few things. One, it's the, the real hands-on approach and the partnership that we had with our tenants. But two, it's the viability of small business in America. Um, you know, they, they are the most resilient uh, business owners and operators anybody will find anywhere. Um, and the other part of it is that, um, you know, the, the way that the needs are fulfilled um, for consumers didn't change as a result of the pandemic. Um, it, we saw an acceleration of, of, some, of uh, some changes that were in place going into it. So folks that were holding out uh, going to uh, e-commerce to fulfill their, their needs for durable goods, they were compelled to finally move online and, and order you know, 
hard, durable goods. Um, but there's still no other way of getting your hair cut. Um, there's, it, there isn't a 3D printer that spits out a hamburger yet. Um, so, you know, it, it, there, there isn't a mouse that you can put in your mouth and it'll fix a cavity for you. Um, if you're going to get those needs fulfilled, you still need to go someplace and interact with somebody. And there's no better place to do that than a neighborhood shopping center. Um, so as soon as those restrictions were lifted, um, and as soon as businesses were uh, had made um, some adaptations to their business uh, to to operate in in a COVID sensitive world, people came back. Well, Todd, let me ask you this: with all your different locations and and some of these kind of what uh, investors call secondary markets, in the markets where the economies and the local governments are allowing businesses to open up, as things are starting to get back to business. What are you seeing for traffic uh, for customers for the tenants? How are the tenants uh, doing in some of the various markets you guys are in? Oh, it's a great question, Michael. Um, so, what I would say is, some of the markets, like in the northern uh, the northern states, um, we're a little slower to reopen um, as opposed to in Texas, right, which had uh, a much faster reopening for for tenants, um, and restrictions were a little stiffer. Um, in some of the northern states than they were, um, for example, in Texas. Um, but what that meant was, it, you know, folks just needed to adapt in different ways. So, for example, if you owned a, a neighborhood bar and grill and typically relied on uh, uh, foot traffic um, and dine-in service for your restaurant, you needed to pivot really quickly and implement um, some, some delivery and curbside pickup. Um, services uh, for your food. If you're a hair salon or a nail salon, and typically people just walk in your door and sit in the entryway and, and wait to, to, for an appointment, you needed to become more regimented um, and really do a great job of scheduling uh, the traffic uh, for people coming in. And what we found with those operators is that some of those restaurants actually wound up being more profitable as a result of making those changes. And and the, the salons were actually doing better as well. Uh, once they were getting people in, they, they didn't have a flood of people waiting, but they were their schedules were booked and people, people uh, were filling up all of the available appointments that they had. Well, people, um, you, you could tell from the Zoom meetings, people's hair was getting really, really, really bad. It was outrageous, right? And I, I think I probably went 90 days without a haircut myself and um, you know, it, it was looking a little grizzly Adams there for, for a bit. So, um, and, and like the, some of those adaptations will, will carry forward, right? Just because they're, they're good business practices. Um, so when you were zooming, uh, with the grizzly Adams look, did you have your grandfather's uh, rifle in your, in your arms? That you're <laughs> yeah, I should have, I should have done that. Um, what about, uh, occupancy and, and leasing? Are you getting much uh, tenant traffic? And, and did you have some tenants that shut down that may not open back up? Yeah, so uh, great question. And, and I think you're going to be a little bit shocked by, by the statistics here, Michael. We had 841 tenants at the very beginning in our, in our largest portfolio. Um, 841 tenants at the end of COVID, we had 843. Um, <laughs> okay. 
we we executed 90% of the lease renewals that naturally came due during um, that six month period. And and the average rent increase was 10%. Wow. And, and it wasn't because um, we were, you know, going after people. It's because people were happy with how their business was performing and they wanted to stay in the shopping center. Um, and market rents had gone up from when they had signed their last five-year or 10-year lease. So they were, they were bullish about the future and excited about the future and signing those leases. So, you know, we had, we had a net loss of 21 tenants um, that closed their business permanently out of that 841 tenants. But we signed more leases than what we lost. So, you know, again, you know, I mentioned earlier the, the resiliency of small business in America. It's really, it, it almost gets overstated, but it can't be overstated that it's the backbone of America. And um, people were looking to open, open businesses, looking for opportunity to, to maybe start up their business or to continue to expand as they were before. Yeah, we're here uh, in Atlanta where our headquarters is located and in um, kind of the perimeter market near Buckhead, if people are familiar with that. And, uh, and then I have a home at Lake Lanier, which is more um, suburban, uh, almost rural. It's about 35 minutes north of Atlanta. And it's like the, the tail of two markets there. Sometimes I see some of the more dense areas uh, in Atlanta where they're, some, they're, they're, they're more they're slower, the, the rebound is slower. But mm-hmm. then I go out to, to Lake Lanier where it's more rural. And the retailers and the restaurants were all just crazy busy. Yeah, uh, have you seen any trends there on, on on your properties? Yeah, a couple of things. The more uh, the more central to the urban location of uh, of the property, the the slower it's been uh, for those folks. And and I think it has to do with density of population. People are a little more sensitive um, to spacing and to wearing masks when um, they're in a more urban or densely populated area. When you get out into the urban areas, people are more relaxed um, and you're, you're really in a neighborhood and folks tend to be more relaxed in their neighborhood. Um, and so they're out, um, out and about more. Um, the, the, I think it's worth stating that, you know, having government mandated closures and shelter in place orders really stresses a business and in, in businesses on both sides, not just the tenant, but also the landlord. And if people didn't have the reserves to weather three months of significantly reduced revenue, then then they weren't going to be able to make it. Um, and so we're going to continue to see people that are stressed and PPP funds helped, um, but folks still need a hand. Um, and they still need, um, especially as we get into the weather months, if there's another slowdown um, in business because of an uptick in, in infections or if a vaccine takes a long time to come along, you know, folks are going to need more help, not because they've got a bad business model, but just because anytime you reduce revenue for people significantly through government action, uh, people need assistance. Um, and so some of the properties that you might see where they're really struggling, it's also, it, it could be because the business didn't have the reserves, but it could also be because the landlord didn't have reserves. And, and couldn't continue to work with tenants um, during a time when their revenue was reduced as well. Yeah. 
Well, you have properties all over the country um, on leasing. Uh, the only market that we do retail leasing is in uh, Metro Atlanta. Um, and one of the things that we're seeing here that I want to ask you if you're if you're getting uh, seeing any trends around the country is we're seeing some uh, restaurants in particular and 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 some other types of businesses that are they've shut their doors and are not opening back up. So, but we're seeing. Um, a lot of new tenants that are, are either have other locations and are expanding, or or their their or their startups, and um, they're look they're they're they like these locations. Some of these locations haven't been available to them in the past, and in some cases they're getting you know better deals and, and more free rent. So there seems to be a um, at least in Atlanta uh, a, a good bit of new tenants looking for space. Well, what do you see around the country? Yeah, Michael, I, that's spot on. I think that's everywhere. Um, you know, the unfortunate part of of a downturn is that it also brings opportunity um, for people that that are well positioned um, to take advantage of it. And so, for those operators that have been wanting to get into a particular neighborhood or a particular shopping center, and this opened up a space, and that's why we had net positive leasing through through this time is because people were waiting for something to open up and for a chance to get in. Um, and, and that, that, that's occurred. Um, and that, that that's not going to change, um, here in the next year. Um, you know, we're going to continue to see, um, through 2021, um, some movement, um, and, and some, and I hate to, I hate to say it because there are people behind it, but some weeding of the garden, you know, we're less successful businesses, again, not because uh, a particular business model or, or type of retail is, is out of favor, but just because an operator wasn't as strong of a business operator, they're going to they're gonna go um, out of business and they're going to be replaced by stronger, better operators. Yeah, a good point. Well, Todd, what would you leave our audience with around the country to think about here in the third week of October, hopefully getting toward the end of, of COVID, but who knows, really, uh, what would you leave our audience with if they're in the retail real estate or, or the they're retailers? You know, have have hope. Um, the, the, the trend is not uh, for retail to go away. It is still the staple part of our economy. Um, and the way that people fulfill those needs are not going to go away. Um, the, the neighborhood shopping center remains a central part of every community. Um, so stick with it, um, partner together, work with each other, support each other, um, get on your congressman, get, you know, get some, some aid passed down to these folks. Um, you know, really quickly, Michael, unemployment is impacting the service providers. Um, that's why we see it hitting the the lower income used to be people would say, Hey, if nothing else, I can go get a job waiting tables. You can do that today, right? So we need to help these folks out. Yeah, that's a good point. And, you know, I think, uh, you know, buy local and and, and go to the restaurants if you're you're comfortable with it in your market area and go to these stores and and keep them open, right? That's that's exactly right. (laughs) Yeah, I think the big big retailers, Amazons, I think they're doing okay right now. I think we need to support our local business. Well, Todd, thank you for joining us, sir. It's great information. Michael, thank you so much again. It was a real pleasure. All right. And thank you for joining us around the country. Let us know what you think. Uh, We appreciate hearing from you and connecting with you on your favorite social media. And on our social media accounts, we're celebrating 
uh, 10 years on air uh, this month, all through the month, and we're sharing some uh, kind of behind the scenes information about the show. And uh, unfortunately, they're sharing some things about me. So check that out on your favorite social media. Until next week, be sure that you always lead, learn, and laugh, and join us for America's Commercial Real Estate Show. Appreciate the show? Consider referring business or doing business with our sponsors. Bull Realty is a commercial real estate sales, leasing, and advisory firm doing business throughout the Southeast, headquartered in Atlanta. Visit bullrealty.com for more information. Vista Property Report slash CRE Show. Incredible analysis using smartphone technology. Commercial Agent Success Strategies provides video training for commercial agents. This training gets five-star reviews from even the most experienced brokers. Learn more at CommercialAgentSuccess.com. You're invited to connect with us on your favorite social media. You can find us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. Don't miss a show of special interest to you. Be sure and subscribe to the show on YouTube and Apple Podcasts. And at the show website, CREshow.com, you can subscribe for a weekly email announcing the show topic and guest. While you're there, you also found more videos and podcasts. Thank you for watching or listening to America's Commercial Real Estate Show.